Talk Show. Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 385. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me, my co-host, Corey Romero. Corey, welcome back from your vacation. How are you doing? Hey, Eric. I'm doing uh, much better than I was yesterday. A little sore from the vacation. Doing fantastic. Ah. Nice, nice. Um, nice to have you in our new studio. I see you've beamed in, so we, we use beams if you came to VMworld last year. So Corey's in the room on a beam. That's pretty slick. How do you like our new studio? You know, I like it. It's pretty cool. I, I, I like the setup. I like the face-to-face interaction, the microphone setup. Very nice. Yeah, we got the uh, the, be- the the mics that ha- are on the, on the I don't know what I'd call those, arms. Not using them yet. We're still in the midst of setting them up, so we're still on the the uh, Yeti microphone. But uh, as we as we set this up over the next couple of days, maybe our audio will get a little better. So on the show today, um, we have a good show. VSAN 6.6 release yesterday, and Chase McCarty is on the show. We'll get to Chase in a, in a few moments once we do a little bit of the news. But we're going to talk about 6.6. should be an interesting show for everyone today. And uh, before we get to that, I suppose we should do a little bit of the news. Corey Romero, the um, VMworld, I think there's some news on VMworld voting and that kind of stuff. What do we got going on? Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, news around that. So, um, so this morning, actually about a half hour ago, I opened up applications for the blogger passes uh, for VMworld Europe and U.S., um, so there's some key dates around those right now. So the applications will close on May 12th, and we will announce and send out the email to, uh, to everyone who received the blogger passes on June 2nd. So that's it for the blogger pass program. Now for VMworld News, we've got uh, early bird registration closes on June 12th. That's for U.S. Uh, so it's open now? It's open now, yes. Early bird registration is open now, and it does close June 12th for U.S., and Europe early bird registration is also open, and it closes June 20th. And just a final reminder, session voting. If you want to get any session voting in, today is the last day. Session voting closes tomorrow, April 13th. So make sure you spend a few minutes. Go vote for your favorite sessions. Take the time to do that. It would be fantastic. Hey, Corey. All right. So Corey, yeah, can I add something Chase, to that Chase, real quick? Absolutely. You, you can plug your thing, Chase. Well, I just I just want to add real quickly. I reached out to the uh, to the to the uh, VMworld team earlier today, and I said, "Hey, wait a minute. We've got some sessions out there that are specific to six six that we didn't share. Can you guys make those available for voting now?" And they have. So some additional uh, additional sessions that weren't there yesterday for for voting are there now. So please feel free to to go take a look again and and. You know, like one I'm hoping to do with uh, with uh, Mike Foley on vSphere encryption and vSAN encryption. Which one's the best for you? That type of thing. Awesome. Very very cool plug. Thank All right. You. So we we you want to search on uh, vSAN to to find those and just look through and give some votes. Are there any other things they want to search on? Uh, well, really anything with any of the features that we're going to cover today, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But um, or you just you know. You know, you could find Jeff or myself, Jeff Hunter, or, or me, Jace McCarty, either one, and just vote for all our sessions, right? <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> of course. All right. Why not? Right. Yeah. Good sessions. Uh, looking forward to this year in Vegas. So uh, maybe the last year in Vegas. I don't know whether uh, San Francisco, there was a conference center, has been rebuilt yet or not. But in Vegas, go vote. It's your chance to have a voice. Um, 
Anything else? So vSAN 6.6, we acquired, who did we acquire today? We announced we acquired Wavefront. Uh, Wavefront. Wavefront does uh, cloud-based, uh, microservice-based monitoring and reporting. So if you're trying to track down, if you're DevOps, you're trying to track down your developer, what's happening with your application in microservice uh, environments or serverless environments where your, 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 your services spin up and then you know, go away in a second. Yeah, how do you track all that if you've got a complex applications with multiple microservices on different platforms? Uh, Wavefront does that. I guess they're one of the market leaders in that, and we bought them. So another company to add to the fold. So maybe we'll get somebody in here and talk about that. Uh, I think our continuous push into the, the cloud world you know, as we continue to support the hybrid cloud environment. So another purchase today. Anything else on the news? I know we have um, Edward Halecki, as always, uh, Shang Xin, and Jeff Hunter are on as community roundtable guests today to to ask Chase some questions and just have community dialogue. Anybody else have any kind of news they want to talk about before we get into the vSAN 6.6? Going once. Going twice. All right. Shang, did you get back in? He's always trying to dial in and out. I'm just curious if Shang, if you ever got, if you got back in. That would be a no. All right. Well, I know we have Jeff, Jeff here, and so we're gonna get we're gonna get going. We're gonna go after and start talking about vSAN six. So let let me introduce Chase McCarty. Chase, uh, you're not you're, you've been on the show before. I think you came in uh, September of 2015 and talked about uh, vSAN six point five. Welcome back to the show. Oh, great, great. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I wish I could have been in uh, wish I could have been in Palo Alto this week, but uh, we were there last week doing some enablement. Um, but definitely glad to uh, glad to be a part, and uh, I subscribe and, and, and listen as you know among all my other podcasts that I you know that I have in my my uh, library, if you will. So uh, glad to be uh, present here today and sharing some really and, awesome stuff. And and your title is staff technical marketing architect for the startup right. product marketing business unit. So uh, why don't you tell us just a minute if people have, don't know who you are, how long you've been with VMware and what, what do you do in your job? All right. So uh, actually I've been, as of last week, I've been here about two years previous to, uh, to VMware. I was at EMC for about four and a half years and then I was a customer for about 15 years before that. Uh, really my job and kind of like Jeff's job, who's also uh, joining me on the line, our job is really to, 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 Part of it is a little bit of collateral, a little content creation, that type of thing, as well as um, you know a little bit of delivery. You know anything really that can you know amplify the message and provide additional understanding about how the product works, right? So we work with partners, we work with um, uh, internal folks, that type of thing, and and really just try to enable uh, you know anybody, everybody that that needs to know or wants to know more about vSAN specifically. Now we're not really customer facing folks, but from time to time, we'll go and we'll uh, participate in vMugs and, and you know, sessions at VMworld, Dell EMC World, different things like that. Um, but really, it's kind of our jobs to, to uh, uh, provide a lot of collateral that people use just for the purpose of being able to better understand vSAN and know the best way to use it, that type of thing. All right. All right. Well, um, I, I got to say, I've read your blog. 
So I give you a shout out to your blog, blogs.vmware.com. Virtual blocks. So if you don't follow the virtual blocks blog, maybe you want to add that to your to your RSS feed and check that out. A lot of good articles there. And you you produced on 2017-0411, What's new VMware vSAN 6.6? Pretty good article. Pretty long. And I think you authored that one, right? Well, so so. We're, we're really a pretty collaborative team within uh, tech marketing and storage and availability. Uh, I'll be honest with you, just about mm, a month ago when I was putting that particular uh, blog together, I reached out to Jeff and a couple of other guys that are working on different parts of the different uh, collateral, and I said, hey, look, I like the way that sounds. I'm going to plagiarize some of that. And, and really, we, we work together. Anything that, that uh, uh, I produce, Jeff is welcome to use. Anything that he, you know, he produces, is you know, everybody else is welcome to use. And we really just try to make sure that we get the right message out. We're not really uh, you know, necessarily, wor- necessarily worried about any claim to fame or, or anything specific to that. We just want to make sure that uh, people get the message and it's consumable. So, so Jeff, you work. Uh, I think you're on the call. Jeff Hunter it works in VMware Tech Marketing. Jeff, thanks for being on the show as well. Uh, how long have you been with VMware? Yeah, it's a long time uh, listener, first time caller. I've been at VMware about ten years, uh, pretty close to that anyway. Just a couple months shy. I do the same thing that Jace does. So we do technical marketing, and I often joke around and say, focus on the technical piece because that's what we focus on. Like Jace talked about there, we produce the, the white papers and the demos. I don't know if you've seen some of the cool click-through demos that we have on storagehub.vmware.com. There's some good stuff out there. A lot of that stuff comes out of tech marketing. So, uh, yeah, a great place to be at VMware and uh, really digging vSAN right now. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 was, I was mentioning to, to a couple people that I looked at um, the release of 6.6, and I, I feel like we should call, call this release 10. Um, there's just such a long list of functionality that's available, Chase. I, I don't even know where to start when you, when, you, when you talk about this release. Maybe you should just give us a little summary of what your thoughts on the release and what are the major, major features versus drilling down. And I know that Duncan Epping and some others have done some really good articles on, you know, deep dives on 6.6, but how do you, how do you quantify this release and where do you get started talking about it? Well, so it's, it's vSAN 6.6. It's the sixth release. So, you know, we, we really feel it's, it's a bit sexy, uh, you know, as far as that goes, there's a little play of words there, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, really, to be honest, it's it's uh, I I couldn't be more pleased with some of the things we've added, and and I'll we, we kind of have broken them into a couple of different buckets, if you will, you know, and those buckets are are evolving without risk, uh, lower total cost of ownership, and then scaling to tomorrow, right? And and yeah, I'll cover some of the features in each of those, some of the the bigger highlighted things, you know, people have been asking for and and whatnot. You know, and I'm going to jump around. I'm not really going to cover, you know, verbatim based on the blog post that type of thing. But, but uh, you know, we've we've done better specifically in the way that we're doing, as an example, rebuilds. Right? As a, you know, rebuilds may not seem that sexy or, or whatnot, but the the way we're protecting data, the way we're moving data around. Let's say we've taken a host offline to perform some patching, or we've lost a host or lost a physical drive, things like that, right? So we've been, we've, we've through what we call degraded device handling, we've added some additional capabilities to, to better uh, provide availability, right, in the event that we've, you know, got some type of outage, either
go through somebody misconfiguring something or uh, you know physical uh, failure or something like like that, right? So that's one thing that's that's really really good when it comes to to you know evolving without risk, right? We're trying to reduce that risk. We're trying to re reduce the situation of of what happens when I lose a disk, what happens when I lose a device, right? Those types of things. Another thing. So if you were if you were if you were using if you were v using vSAN uh, 6.0 and and it had to reconfigure what would what would I experience and would I experience things differently or is this all behind the scenes? Well, so like a, it's it's all behind the scenes as far as this particular piece, but just to kind of give an example right. uh, around uh, degraded device handling. Let's say, for instance, we're looking at the health of a device, and that device is just not behaving right. It, you know, it, let's say it's, it's, it was repurposed, we're using it in vSAN, and it just doesn't have a whole lot of health left in it, that type of thing. Um, previously, and this has kind of changed a couple times, but at, at one point, we would just kind of look at the drive and say, hey, you're not, you, know, you didn't behave properly, so I'm going to get rid of you. Then we changed the behavior a bit to where we, we looked at it a little bit more, and we said, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch you over the course of, of you know, a longer period, you know, over the course of, the, let's say, the next, um, I think it's 24 hours, right? And based on that 24 hours, every, let's say, we'll check you about 10 times, and, and if the average of those 10 times looks like you're still not performing right, then we're going to basically you know, just kick you out of the cluster, right, that type of thing. Now, with with the upgraded version of, of degraded device handling, or used to have a different name. I'm not going to go into that, but and we're calling it we've called it V2. We've got different version numbers and whatnot. But the important thing to keep in mind, specifically to uh, the way we're doing things now with 6.6, .6 is is we say, hey, look, you don't look healthy. You're probably at the end of life. Uh, you know what? I'm going to move that data off. I'm going to basically mark you where I'm not going to write any more data to to you anymore. And once I've got all that data off, then I'm going to unmount you. I'm going to basically bring you offline. So rather than a, a kick you out of the cluster and then I have to go do a rebuild, I'm going to move everything as I, as I have the opportunity to, and then I'm going to kick you out of the cluster. So from a rebuild uh, operation, we're not really having to rebuild everything immediately, right? We're just gradually doing things over, you know, as that device is, is dying. Now, Going further, let's say, for instance, uh, I go and I have a, uh, I'll just take an example of a 250, 250 gig VMDK that's residing on a disk, and I reboot a host. And that host is offline for, let's say, 62 minutes. Well, right at that 61 or 60 minute timer, we're going to kick off a resync. And we're going to say, hey, look, you know, I've got I've to replace this. It's no longer there. It's absent. And I kick off a resync. But let's say at right at 63 minutes, that host comes back online. I've only resynced, let's say, 10%, 25 gigs of that VMDK. I realize from a, from a health perspective and from an from a overall cost as far as the amount of time and the amount of data movement, I could simply sync the changes on that, that host that has come back online. Right? Whereas before, what would happen is, is we would have to basically do a full resync every time we were outside of that particular window. Now what we're doing is, with 6.6, .6, is we're saying which mechanism, either doing a full resync or um, if, if not doing a full resync, but only just a, a, a partial, in other words, a catch-up, you know, commit deltas, if you will, is that going to be less expensive in the term of time and the, and the term of data movement? So I'm going to compare those, and we'll see which one. Well, so that 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 brings us back to a compliant state much more quickly. Now, also, as we're going to we're, we're um, 
um, writing data out, let's say, for instance, I don't have a, a reasonable amount of capacity across however many devices, right? So let me give an example of, let's say I've got that 250 gig to write on a disk. I've only got, um, you know, I don't know, 100 gig available, that type of thing. Sure. Before, we really, we really had to essentially write all of that capacity. Now we'll actually break things up. And, you know, we have a, a policy stripe width which we can manually break things up. But as long as, a, as an object has the capability of, of satisfying that, we could break it up into even more objects to better fit within the, uh, you know, within the data store. So, 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 so some additional logic when it comes to trying to become compliant much more quickly as well as ensure that resyncs occur much more quickly, right? So kind of, kind of, kind of two-factor, two-pronged as far as that goes. This is you, the reason I wanted to bring this one up. Evolve without risk. Yeah. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because it's one of those things that doesn't get a lot of airtime, but it's it's something kind of behind the scenes that is is definitely right. make vSAN or going to make vSAN better with 6.6. .6. Now, another thing that that I'd like to mention specific to evolving without risk is is we now have a a host or within the the um, host client, so the, H, the HTML5 client on the ESX hosts, now has under the data store, you, if you go and you look at your storage, you see the vSAN data store. Underneath that data store, you'll see a, a, a particular option labeled monitor. And if you click on monitor, it will actually give you a, um, a, a visualization of the health of the vSAN cluster. So customers in the past have said, well, my, my vCenter is not, you know, not available. It's rebooting or it's offline or, or, or whatnot. How do I see the health of my vSAN cluster? You know, maybe they don't have, uh, you know, vROPS or LogInsight pulling things or, you know, or, or whatnot, and they don't have any visibility into the cluster. So with, the, with this new visual um, UI addition within the host client, we've got visibility into the health of our, of our vSAN cluster. Now, it doesn't stop there, though. We also have CLI commands that extend the ESX CLI commands where we can say ESX CLI vSAN health. And then we say cluster, and it will give us a full printout, essentially a full list of here are all the checks, whether they're green, whether they're yellow, which hosts are disconnected. It shows those, which ones are misbehaving. Uh, do we have any, any objects that are out of compliance, so on and so forth, right? So, so a lot of things that we relied previously on in, in, in vCenter, we can now see from an individual host. We can see through the ESX CLI, and if you're using, let's say, vSphere CLI and remoting in, you can pull the same commands as well from there. So a lot more visibility to, to lower risk, right, uh, as far as that goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm really Thanks. excited about these pieces. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Do you want to continue talking about evolving without risk, or, or we can jump sure. around a bit? No, I like I like evolving without risk. These are nice features that you're doing, and definitely reducing the risk of me operating, you know, a store a complex storage network. So continue on. Okay. Hey, Jace, I think we should just cut to the chase and 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 bring the the really hot one out. That's uh, you know very popular with with the folks in the networking world. Speaking of that, so you know, no longer need for multicast. Why don't you tell the folks about that a little bit? I I think that's much more exciting. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Um, and I thought I had a little humorous tweet yesterday. I said, I said, bye, Felicia. I mean, uh, multicast. And I pointed at a blog post that, that John Nicholson, who's also uh, one of the architects on our team, uh, and he, he goes more in depth with it. But the important part of it specifically is, is, is there's been this myth that to 
to, to manage vSAN, you had to have a, a, a CCIE certification to, to configure multicast, and, and it's really not the case. Now, um, with multicast, it's really easy to set up, especially on a layer two. Um, if you want to go layer three with multicast, it can get a little bit more complicated, and then when you're using additional overlay technologies like, um, you know, let's say you're using VXLAN, let's say you're using like Cisco ACI or, or whatever, when you're, when you're accommodating for, for multicast and routing, specifically layer three, then it can get very complicated. And a lot of people said, oh, you got to get rid of multicast. You can't, you know, one of the internal jokes in tech marketing was that we figured we could say, hey, there's no more multicast, and we could just quit talking, right, because enough people have asked for the removal of multicast. Now, because uh, of the removal of multicast, or a couple things to keep in mind when it comes to the removal of multicast is that um, if I have a, a, a cluster that has a combination of uh, has a combination of hosts that are six six and six five, multicast is going to remain present, right? It's going to continue to stay there, and, it, and we'll, as long as it's in that state, it'll stay there. But when we move to all the hosts within the cluster being upgraded to six point six, communication moves over to being unicast, and multicast goes away. And there's there's not a way to get it back. Unicast is going to be the, the, the mechanism uh, or the, the, um, the method, rather, of communication going forward with subsequent releases of vSAN. So multicast is, we don't have any room for it. And like I said on the, on the tweet yesterday, bye, Felicia, we're happy to get rid of you. Now, some of the behaviors change a little bit. Let's say I add a 6.5 host to a 6.6 cluster that's already been upgraded to multicast. That host may be a participant of the cluster from a vSphere perspective, but as far as vSAN goes, it's going to be partitioned off and it will not be able to per truly participate in the vSAN cluster until it's upgraded to 6.6. So that's one thing to keep in mind, right? Also, at a host level, well, vCenter and at a, at a host level, we're essentially keeping a list of who all the unicast participants are, right? Now, what I mean by that is, is is let's say with the way multicast works and, and specific to vSAN, we're essentially sending every meta, you know, data, metadata out you know, across to, to all the different hosts. Right? We're talking to everybody doing this for discovery and, and whatnot. But because we're no longer doing discovery, we're not using multicast for that unicast, we keep a list of all the different hosts that are participating from a uni, you know, within the, the unicast-based cluster. Now, if I go to try to, let's say I have a host, it's you know, configured for vSAN, it's on the, you know, the same VLAN, and I decide I want to hop on the network and, and try to participate in that cluster. Well, I can't unless I add that cluster as a unicast agent to all the hosts in the cluster. Now, that can be done through vCenter, or that can be manually done uh, on each host, right? So it's not really an any, not any easy way uh, for you to be able to, uh, you know, add this cluster you know, add this, this rogue host, if you will, into that cluster. Now, at the same time, we do communicate with, uh, with vCenter as being the single source of truth. And what happens if vCenter is offline? I'm rebooting it. I've done a patch, things like that. Or let's say I, I have vCenter offline for a patch and I reboot a host. Or vCenter is running on a host that fails, that type of thing. Well, each host does keep a persistent list of all the hosts participating in the cluster, so it's not going to affect availability. Right. Um, nice. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's not anything that you have to do to change it. Right. It just uh, you know as you upgrade all the hosts to six six, it swaps over automatically. 
Interesting. Yep. Yeah. 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 But uh, hold, hold on a second. Wouldn't that, in some cases, put you underneath your limit? And if you are underneath your limit, VSAN tends you, to break. And what do you mean underneath your limit? Failure, failure limits, allowed failures. Oh, okay. So, I mean, effectively, to, if I'm switching from multicast to unicast, I have, and I start moving host, eventually I'm going to be under complement somewhere. Hmm. Um, I was, so the question is, is as I'm as I'm converting from multicast to unicast, not not in the situation of of um, you know event of a, of a failover or a failure or whatnot. That's not what you're going. You're going through the actual changeover process. Is kind of what you're specifically mentioning, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's basically the upgrade. If I'm doing an upgrade and I go to six six, I have as I migrate nodes, that multicast cluster effectively is what you're saying because it's segregated out. It's not. It doesn't. We, if if we have let's say we let's say we have ten nodes in a cluster, right? And I'll just try to keep it brief so we can you know cover it right, as much else as we can. But if I have ten nodes in the cluster and I and I upgrade all uh, upgrade nine of those ten, I still operate in multicast. It isn't until all all of those participants are six point six is everything moved over. So it's not like you know, as I add a six six host, oh, right. no, 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 no. Now we wait until everything, everything within that cluster is all uniform on six six, and after that, after that happens, then we convert to unicast. Okay, that makes. Okay. Thank you. That was starting to scare me a little bit. It's like, um, yeah, no, 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 I would never no. upgrade. <laughs> right, right. No, no, Ed, we wouldn't do that to you. Yeah. yeah. The all right. Well, let's. let's <laughs> Let, 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 I do want to also cover specific, uh, you know, around evolving without risk. And Ed, I don't want to go too deep on this because we do, and we do, we have a bunch of more stuff to cover in about 30 minutes. But, um, and and hopefully Mike Foley and I will do a session on this. But uh, we we are we did add in 6.6 uh, data at rest encryption. Now it differs from vSphere encryption, and that vSphere encryption is is essentially per policy, per VM. Right or or as you apply policies to to different parts of a VM, and I'm I'm not the most up to speed on the on that side of it. But from a vSAN perspective, it's not per VM; it's for the entire data store. It's for the entire cluster. Now we do also do things a little bit a uh, little bit differently, but I'll talk about some of the similarities first. So similarity-wise, uh, we can use this the workflow as far as using KMS is exactly the same. Right, so if we've already got KMS uh, servers in place for uh, for VM uh, encryption, we can use the exact same ones for vSAN encryption if we wish. Now, uh, just like uh, VM encryption, we're really hardware agnostic. It really don't matter what type of hardware we've got on the back end. There's no no requirement for self self encrypting drives or, or anything specific to that. Now. VM encryption will work on on any supported vSphere storage. Okay, so whether it's a, a local, uh, you know, a local VMFS uh, volume, a shared VMFS volume, an NFS share, it doesn't matter. vSAN, on the other hand, though, only works with a vSAN data store. Now we do work with with uh, a hybrid as well as all flash. It doesn't matter there. If you do to do decide to use all flash with VM encryption or vSAN encryption. Then we will honor the deduplication uh, savings, and what I mean by that is, is 
is encryption occurs after deduplication and compression occurs. Whereas like VM encryption as an alternative, because it's handled higher in the stack, encryption occurs before any deduplication and compression occurs. So if you were to use VM encryption and use vSAN with deduplication and compression, you wouldn't be getting any deduplication or compression savings. Whereas if you use vSAN encryption, you would. Now, going a, little, going a bit further there, uh, vSphere encryption gives you the capability of using multiple policies, which you could use multiple KMS um, you know, servers there, right? Whereas vSAN encryption, it's only one KMS uh, uh, you know, per cluster. Additionally, VM encryption requires connectivity to, um, to vCenter and also the PSC. Those cannot be, or one or more PSCs, those cannot be encrypted. But vCenter and PSCs can be encrypted if they're running on, a v, on vSAN. And the, on, and the reason being is, is because the communication with the KMS is accommodated for by the host, by the individual vSAN host. It's not accommodated for by the host talking to vCenter and then talking to the KMS. Each host talks directly to the KMS. So if we run into a situation where vCenter is offline or you know, any particular situation you know, where we can't talk to vCenter or whatnot, then we can still power on VMs. If we go to a command line or go to the, to the host UI, we can still create VMs and still power them on, on an encrypted vSAN data store. Right? So a little bit different. And we're hoping to have, uh, uh, I think Mike and I will probably do a, 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 I think we've got a podcast coming up before too long specific to the, the intricacies of both. So right? I have a, a quick question on that, and that is, it's just to clarify, Mm -hmm. vSAN encryption is really you're encrypting the entire data store or the, the volume. Does that actually mean that if I use vVols, I mean, does vSAN use vVols yet? No. Okay. No. But when it does, are you going to have different encryption keys for each volume? I would say that people have, have asked for the ability to have multiple independent data stores for vSAN. We don't have that yet, but we're obviously looking at it as a, you know, as a feature request. And I would imagine that if we were to support that, we would conceivably have that as a possibility. But as far as any specific futures that I could talk about or anything that I'm even clued on, <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you. Yeah, so vSAN encryption provide, is providing encryption at rest. That's correct. It's really what, and we're, and it's decrypted once it's read off of the vSAN. So once I'm actually running the VM and once it's read off of the disk, it's unencrypted. So it's actually when I'm doing the not only the runtime but the, the the boot up of the machine. But when I'm doing VM encrypt, it can be encrypted. Parts of it can be encrypted for as long as you want. It's depending on where you are. I mean, this, the difference is is VM is per VM, vSAN is per volume or Correct. per data store. Per okay. vSAN cluster, actually, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there's only right now one data store per cluster, so. Correct, correct. Now, we, I will also add very briefly is that we do encrypt within the cache tier of vSAN, and then as we're destaging to the capacity tier, we decrypt and then re-encrypt. So if, I, you know, if we were to only encrypt upon destaging, anybody could walk in and they could yank a cache drive out, and they could have unencrypted data. We encrypt so, in the cache tier as well as the capacity tier. No, it's that aside, you mentioned the KMS. You said you can only use one KMS. That one KMS me. per vSAN cluster, yes. 
It has to be but a cluster have, of KMS. I mean, you can't. KMS is at, has to be as available as DNS. So, if I have I more than one DNS server, I should have more, be able to have more than one KMS server. Well, and when I say KMS, I'm using the term loosely, and a KMS cluster is perfectly fine. Anything okay. that's KMS 1.1 compliant is supported. Great, wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, one thing I'll add to that, uh, right. Jace, is is just the way the reason we did that by design there, right? So Jace talked about how when we destage data from the cache tier of VC and down to the capacity tier, we decrypt it and then we re-encrypt it. And the reason for that is compatibility. You know, one of the questions I got at a VMUG uh, event here in Columbus, Ohio yesterday is, can I use my backup software with it? Can I use deduplication and compression? Can I use vSphere replication and all of those things? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, the encryption stuff in vSAN is compatible with all of those features out there. See, it's, it's going to be a very non-disruptive thing to implement as far as compatibility with other features and other products that you have. And uh, it, it's really a good thing, which is, is a little bit different from the VM crypt. You know, as Jace talked about, if you've got the VM encrypted at the vSphere level, encrypted at the vSphere level, that is, uh, there's going to be challenges around deduplication and compression. And that's with any storage platform there. So, again, if folks are wondering why we're doing some of those with storage layer, it's, it's by design. There's a reason we're doing that, and that's, that's for compatibility. So you can continue to use all the wonderful things that you already have in your environment today. Okay. So, um, great. Evolve without risk. We have the three categories. Evolve without risk, lower TCO, and scale to tomorrow. We're still on evolve without risk. Do we have other features you want to cover around evolving without risk? Uh, that, that's that's the, the, the majority of them. Now, I'll, I'll mention from a, from a, um, a lower TCO uh, you know, bucket, if you will, or, or, or school of thought, you know, our, our kind of our, our, our categorization, if you will. Uh, another thing that's been really, really important to primarily uh, a lot of customers in, in uh, Europe who deploy stretch clusters. We have some, some folks here in the States that do, uh, do stretch clusters, but we have quite a bit more over in, uh, over in EMEA that, that uh, leverage stretch clusters. And something we've added, um, I think during the beta we called it nested fault domains, but essentially what it is is it's local protection within sites uh, in stretch clusters, right? So the challenge previously was we would write one copy of data in each site. If we ran into a situation where a host was offline or if, um, let's say, we lost a drive or something like that, we'd have to fetch the data from the other site to, to resync and make a repair, that type of thing. But now with, with local protection within stretch clusters, we have what we call a primary level of, of protection, which is across sites. So that can only be mirrored because stretch clusters are two sites. Um, but depending on whether we've got hybrid or all flash and how many uh, nodes we have in the environment will determine what we can support beneath that as far as local protection. So if I have a, a, a 3 plus 3 and with a witness somewhere else, then I can protect mirrored across and mirrored within. Now, I will say to be able to use this particular feature, uh, it does require an on-disk format upgrade, but it's non-disruptive. Right, and what I mean by that is, is to be able to accommodate for the additional witness components. And I don't mean witness VM, I mean witness components. For us to be able to accommodate for those, because we'll have essentially one witness component residing in the cloud or wherever on the witness host. But then within each site, we're also going to have a witness for, let's say, our mirror, uh, you know, whether it be a, a FTT1 mirror, FTT2 mirror, or FTT, FTT3 mirror, that type of thing. Um, if we have, let's say, four hosts per site, then we could do RAID 1 if we have all flash, 
or uh, RAID 5 with, uh, with one, um, uh, one potential failure with all flash. We have six nodes that we could do RAID 6 in a local site. Right? So a lot of people have been asking for that ability to, to protect locally as well as across sites. Now, it also kind of as a, as a byproduct of this, if we want to use local protection but we don't want to protect across sites, then we also added another rule that gives us the, the ability to have site affinity. So we can say, I only want this, this to run in the preferred site or I only want it to run in the secondary site. If we kind of look a little bit further, that could be for, let's say, test and dev, where we only want to run it in the, state, in the uh, secondary site, or if we look at workloads like, let's say, exchange uh, database availability groups, or if I'm using SQL always-on availability groups, where I, I'm going to protect locally, but I want to let the application itself protect across sites, right? As far as bandwidth right. sizing and those types of things, we're not, we're not writing any more data than we were before. And we've essentially got a, um, a DOM proxy on the, on the alternate site from, from where the ownership of that object is that's handling the, um, uh, you know, the level of protection, right? So whether it's RAID, uh, you know, RAID 5 or RAID 1 or, or whatnot, right? Basically gives us the capability of, of not having to change anything as far as our you know, overall bandwidth requirements, adding the ability to have local protection, and then giving us the ability to, to uh, protect either across both sites or just in a single site. All right, so that's, that's a, really good, a really good lower TCO as far as you know, preventing outages and, and, and that type of thing. Now, um, we also added another little, just a, this is a quick one. I didn't even see it coming until I saw it in a build, but we have a, uh, the opportunity to change a witness host, whereas before, if we you know, had a witness, that witness went away, we, didn't have it, you know, we had a witness standing by, we'd have to basically disable stretch clusters, re-enable stretch clusters with a new witness. Now we just have a button that says point at the new one and it makes the swap for us, right, to try to lower the, you know, the overall amount of time, you know, specifically to uh, uh, swapping that out. Now, something else that I really want to make sure that we cover for the, for the purpose of the, of the, uh, the podcast today is, or the roundtable today is, is, um, Two things that I've been working on a, a good bit. I've already got some content published. I'm, I'm sh soon to have some more published, but easy install and config assist are two really, really new awesome features. I'm actually using right now, as we're having this, uh, this roundtable, I'm using easy install to set up vSAN on a two-node fresh uh, cluster that I've completely you know, reset up and, and I'm using it to deploy. Now what that's going to do is, is use the, the good old-fashioned VCSA installer, the one that runs on Linux, Windows, or Mac, it really doesn't matter. As I'm going to deploy that VCSA, rather than saying use an existing data store, I just say create a vSAN cluster, give it, put it in this data store that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create and this cluster I'm going to create, use this one single host, take these disks and it'll give me a list of the disks that I have available that are that can be consumed by vSAN. And then I pick which ones I want to use as either cache or capacity. Once everything is up and running, I've got one host and one vCSA running on top of it, right? So it's it just kind of gets me through the bootstrap process that William Lamb has got several articles on how to do it manually, either using a swing data store or manually going in and creating a vSAN data store yourself, right? That type of thing kind of gets, gets us past that. So for Greenfield, brand new installs, it's a great new addition. Um, now, where do I go from there, though, is a really good question. Config Assist or Configuration Assist is, is a new uh, option in the UI that now gives us the capability of after I've added, let's say, my, my second, my third, my fourth nodes, 
it goes and looks at the health of the cluster just like we've been doing before, but it says, hey, wait a minute. You don't have vSAN connectivity between each of these nodes. And on top of that, we really recommend using a VDS. Click here if you want to create a VDS, and it'll run you through a wizard, and it'll create a VDS. Once you've created that VDS, you can say, well, I don't have vSAN enabled on all these nodes as far as a VM kernel interface. Click here, and you can enable a vSAN um, uh, VM kernel interface, and you can even set the IPs, either through DHCP. You can set the um, uh, set them statically. You can uh, decide whether you want to use jumbo frames or not. Obviously, entirely up to you, and it'll configure those. It'll even say, hey, wait, you don't have vMotion in place. Click here if you want to set up uh, a vMotion interface. And then on top of that, we really recommend you're using HA and DRS if you're licensed for those. Click here, and you can enable those all from one, essentially one little wizard. Right. And this wizard, and this wizard is part of vSAN, then, even though it's it's it's, it's reaching out and, and building a bit more than that. Well, it's so it's it's actually presented within the vCenter UI. You know, the, I guess the vSphere 6.5 EP2 release of of, uh, of vCenter, but it's 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 in there within the vSAN UI. So yeah, yeah. I mean, before you know, if we had let's say host, we had host joined. And we clicked on the vSAN wizard, you know, enable vSAN, we'd say, oh, wait, you need to go back and set up some VM kernel interfaces. And you have to right. stop the cluster, or stop the wizard, you'd have to make some changes, and then you go back and run it again. But now, you know, we've got vSAN running by itself on this one node, and then it says, hey, you don't have these. Click here to make those. You don't have these. Click here to make those. You don't have this. Click here to configure that, those types of things. That goes even further, depending on which vendor you are. There are a couple that, that are going to have support out of the gate. Uh, I know it works on some Dells that I have, but uh, as it looks at the cluster, it says, hey, wait a minute, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of, uh, or I see what kind of controller you have, but I don't have the client tools for that controller. Uh, click here to go download the client tools and install them on all your hosts. So I have uh, the H730 controllers on some Dell uh, R630s, and it says you need the Perk CLI tools for me to have more visibility into that particular controller. Click here to go download that and put it on it, all from the same screen, right? There's not anything different you have to do. You don't have to go anywhere else. And once it's, once it's installed that VIB, and depending on the vendor, some VIBs may require a reboot, may not, um, and I'll get into that as well. But but um, on mine, it doesn't, right? On the, the H730 controllers, it specifically only requires you to download this one VIB, and it'll install it for you. But once that's, that's installed, and you go and you click on uh, configure, or you click on uh, run, the, run the test again, um, or retest, I think is the button, what the button actually says, it goes and says, wait a minute, you've got firmware 25 dot blah, 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 whatever. For this build of vSAN, and for the disk that you have in this particular controller, you are running in a valid configuration, however your firmware is not up to date. Click here if you want to go download that firmware. And then once that firmware is downloaded, click here if you'd like to remediate across your cluster. It gives you, basically what it'll do is it'll put each host in maintenance mode using ensure accessibility, provided your cluster can accommodate that, provided you've got enough capacity, you have an open provision, those types of things. And it will go and it will update all from the same interface. It will update your, your firmware. Now, again, it's not all vendors. Uh, I think we should have a list published by the time that 6.6 um, is, is available for download. But, you know, this is with easy install followed by config assist, we easily have the capability of staying essentially within, you know, the, the initial easy install. And then once, once we install into, or once we log into the VCSA, we can very, very quickly and easily 
manage v or uh, configure vSAN, and then also if we have to bring it up to speed as far as um, you know firmware and drivers and things like that, right? Now, where that goes a little bit a little bit further is is as either new controllers or as new uh, drives or you know anything is added to vSAN, all that's really tied to the vSAN VCG, right? The the vSAN compatibility guide. That's all maintained by us. It's you know in the cloud. Your your host will go and connect to it. If you don't want to, if you want to work offline, then uh, you know if you don't want your vCenter talking to the internet, then you can go download that file manually. We've got um, a KB article on how to do that, and also those tools I mentioned, uh, you know, Perk CLI, as well as the uh, you know any firmware, you know, those types of pieces. If there's no connectivity to the net, a URL is displayed, and you can go get that on your own, and you can add that to the config. So, so even if you're in an environment where where vCenter is is not talking to the to the internet directly, or even through a proxy, you can still use this particular feature. Now, I'll add that there's a bit of value in having vCenter, even if it's through a proxy, talking to the net. If you're a participant in the CEIP, the Customer Experience Improvement Program, and I posted a link on Twitter uh, specific to the VMware CEIP, not one for vSAN specifically, but one for uh, VMware as a whole. If you're participating in that, small amounts of data like you know what type of host you have, what type of controllers you have, and, and different things like that are obviously phoned home. Now. That phone home capability gives us the capability of saying, oh, okay, uh, you know, here's the, here's the particular controller you have. Because of this controller, we really recommend this update, those types of things. At the same time, though, we've added some cloud analytics that can give us some additional proactive guidance. We can say, okay, wait, you've got Intel X710 NICs. You probably want to take a look at this KB article because we've seen that if you enable, t if you keep TSO and LRO enabled on this particular config, you could either get a purple screen of death or you could have some nick flapping, right? And because this is cloud-based, it's not anything that a customer has to do as far as getting a newer build of vSAN. It's not anything that a customer has to do to get a newer build of, of uh, vCenter once they're at this release. These are rules that we can change on the back end, and as we're doing health checks on their environment, we can really kind of better, better help our customers be able to see what they've got, what any challenges that might be present for what they've got, and how to remediate those particular challenges, right? So, you know, total cost and you know better availability you know kind of going hand in hand uh, as well as easier deployment are kind of going you know hand in hand with easy install config assist and then our, our cloud cloud analytics right uh, I mean I, I could go a lot deeper you know specifically just on, on these these topics alone right I have a ahead, question Andy. about that sure. if I don't participate in the CEIP then I don't get all these. I don't get the ability for you to basically say you have a KB article associated with your current hardware. I mean, you guys don't do that locally. It really depends on the hard. It really depends on the hardware, right? And and I use the NIC as an example because that's not something we specifically check as part of a, a normal health check, right? We do normal health checks on controllers. We do normal normal health check health checks on um, uh, on drives, right? Those types of things. We also have a, a health check that says, okay, you plan on using uh, a vSAN encryption, but you don't have AES and I enabled you know, on your host. Now, not all hosts have the ability of, of disabling that. 
In fact, I tried to do it on my Dells and I couldn't. But on things that, that are part of a normal health check, we absolutely still report even if you're offline. Okay, but some additional... No, 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 you missed my point. I don't, it's, I don't care if you're offline or online. I really care about is local versus a SAS. In some organizations, there's absolutely no way they're going to allow you to do anything over a SAS. You and I both know, especially the ones going to be using vSAN encryption, but or most of them. But when you start talking about having that ability to do it locally, because they want to no, sanitize all the data. They don't know what that data is, so they're not going to allow it unless you have a sanitized no. feature. Well, I, I, I understand that completely. Now, again, I tweeted a link yesterday specific to the CEIP program. If customers choose to participate in that, they're absolutely welcome to. If they choose not to, then, they, then, then that's fine as well, right? Important thing to, 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 to keep in mind is, is we're still doing health checks on everything within a, you know, a normal vSAN config, but we may or may not necessarily push down a release specific to as far as, as, far as uh, vCenter, as far as the rules go of this particular configuration of an Intel X710 NIC. Right? That would be something that's, that's traditionally CEIP-wise produced by vSphere itself as opposed to by vSAN. Right? But there are only so many actually, if part of the health check, are you not actually making it so that the health check actually can? I mean, right now I have health checks happening all the time for various components of my environment. Some of them talk mm -hmm. to VMware with all the checkboxes saying, like, make sure my data is not, make sure it's sanitized and all that, and they do a good job at it. Others are disabled because we don't know what type of data it is. What I'm asking is, you're saying that because CEIP is on, we can send you a notice that says this KB article applies to your systems. That's what you said. That's Could what you I said. not do that same health check and say, hey, this KB article applies to your systems because you have this hardware? We can, yes. Now, the important, important thing to keep in mind differentiation-wise, right, is that to add additional pieces such as that, like let's say, for instance, tomorrow, I ran into an issue with that particular NIC that we didn't know about before. If for me to present this information offline, the customer is probably going to have to go through a, a code upgrade of some point, upgrading and health, upgrading a health check, right? Whereas a customer that is using some of the cloud health capabilities with with our cloud analytics, as they do an online health check, it would then see that. You see okay. what I mean? That's, no, that's kind of the mean. difference. That's kind of the difference. There's a I difference mean, between and people that people that are doing that know the differences that you have to download some some things to make those health checks even more robust correct. online. Right. Now, okay. now, I, I guess if, so. if something were to become widespread, you know, let's say we see in, in, in every case, blah 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 blah, that's probably gonna be added to our normal health check over the course of time. But if it were something that happened very, very quickly, you know, that, that you know, a code fix may not I don't want to say a code fix may not be out for a long time. It really would depend on the on the on the circumstances, right? But what I'm trying to get at is, is health checks can come, you know, through upgrades of code or the capability of of online health checks, you know, in a in a more dynamic fashion, if you will, right? And again, completely up to up to a customer whether they choose to participate or not. It can even be through a proxy. Um, I think we do have within the, the normal CEIP program uh, a list specifically of the things that we are collecting.
as opposed to what you know what what information we're not. And unfortunately, I don't have all the specifics of, of CEIP, and that's one of the reasons why I tweeted that link out yesterday. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right. All right well, so we got lower TCO. Anything else on lower TCO before we go to scale? We got seven more minutes on the podcast. What else we want to touch base with before we go to scale? Well, I'll just kind of touch you know scale to tomorrow, you know specifically in in, in the last piece, right? Um, you know, if, if if you look over the past couple of weeks, um, Intel released what they call the you know, the new Optane class gear or the Optane branded gear, if you will, whatnot, and we had support first day, right? Um, one of the most important things to keep in mind when it comes to vSAN, and it, and and I could probably cover some of the performance enhancements and whatnot, but they're they're actually pretty in depth. We could do an, a whole hour just on performance enhancements, but specific around hardware, uh, if you look at you know, immediate support, day one support or day zero, however you want to refer to it, for Optane. As you know, if we look at traditional, you know, traditional arrays, if we look at uh, some of the other HCI players, that type of thing, um, as we move to, you know, from let's say vSAN 6 to vSAN 6.1, 6.2, 6.5, now 6.6, those types of things, as we move each new, um, you know, uh, how I want to say it, whether it be Optane or 3D cross, you know, 3D Crosspoint equivalent from another vendor. As each of these new types of, of hardware are available, we're planning on continuing, you know, being able to support those as, as quickly, if not day one, right? Um, if we look at some of the workloads that we're trying to accommodate with this newer hardware, uh, you know, support for all the all the latest generation hardware, things like inter-systems cache, as an example. Now, a lot of people ask for Epic support, you know, from a from a um, uh, EHR electronic health record uh, perspective. People say, I want Epic support. Well, Epic is built on top of inter-systems cache, and we're working with Epic to at some point have a, a certification there. They they typically certified hardware as opposed to um, HCI, if you will. Um, we've got some reference architectures coming out for inter-systems cache, Hadoop, and other big data type platforms. And you know, even though our EUC folks may or may not like it, we've got some reference architectures coming out with you know specific for Zen Desktop and Zen App. Uh, better container support with you know for for vSAN with Photon 1.1. Right. The, the fact that we the fact that we can today, if I have let's say VX Rail. You know, as a as a consumable mechanism of vSAN, and tomorrow I decide to move to Dell Ready Nodes, or I decide to move to HPE Ready Nodes, or Lenovo, or or uh, HDS, or whoever. Right? I'm not really tied to any particular hardware. Is really kind of the point. Um, not really tied to any hardware with with vSAN specifically. I can freely move amongst now. You know, obviously there's there's you know from a support if I've got rail I can't really add non-rail components to a VX rail um, you know appliance that makes sense but uh, you know overall from a vSAN perspective whether I'm using bring my own or ready nodes or, or whatnot there's not really anything different and if I use that operational model and, and SPBM specific to vSAN and and providing um, you know in, individual object control if you will. I'm not really, you know, there's not anything really I have to do as far as the hardware goes. So, you know, commodity-based, you know, nothing, you know, nothing specific to, you know, if I've got support for 3D Crosspoint today, 
what's next? Well, when that comes out, we'll have support for that, and you'll really just have to do a, uh, either an in-place upgrade or expand your cluster and move things over, right, and decommission your old. It's kind of really the, the talk track and kind of where we're, where we're talking about as far as that goes, right? All right. So, yeah. 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 Fantastic. How are you doing? How do you feel you're doing with regards to adoption in the industry and maybe some com- competition out there? Uh, where, how do you feel about vSAN and, and, and where you are as a product group? Well, I think competition is great, uh, you know, especially in a, in a uh, you know, capitalist type type perspective, right? I think we're doing really well. Um, our competitors have, have, uh, have really pushed us and challenged us to, to you know, get, get where we are. Uh, I think we're the largest in the industry right now as far as an HCI platform goes, you know, across multiple multiple different delivery types. Over 7,000 customers. We're in over a, like 110 countries, something like that. It's That may not be accurate. It's, but I know it's over 100. I've heard like 108, something like that. Um, I don't have anything negative to say about, about, you know, any of the competitors. I think everybody, you know, else does things a little bit differently. And we always look forward to the opportunity of, of uh, you know, showing why we think we're doing better. Um, but I, I don't have anything negative to say about anybody else. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you look at the, you know, they say the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, we've got over 7,000 customers. And when you compare the, the other HCI players in the market, I don't think anybody's, you know, uh, really that close. I know when you came on in six you know, in the, a year and a half ago with six dot five, dedupe was big. Um, so you you feel like you're you're getting traction. You're getting yeah. I think when you were here last time, we had like maybe a thousand customers. So you, in a year and a half, you've gone from maybe a thousand plus to six thousand plus. So you know, do you feel like you're like a main player now? I know when we first introduced dedupe back a year and a half ago, we were like, yeah, we feel like we're finally there because now we really do have dedupe, and so our our storage is is competitive. So how are you feeling now? Um, well, so so actually at the at the end, we we announced this in April of 2016. At the end of 2015, we actually had about 3,500 customers. And then, uh, you know, right at the end of 2016, we added another 3,500 customers to, to put us at that 7,000 mark. You know, so, uh, uh, you know, a, a 100% growth from the end of the end of 15 to 2015 to the end of 2016 is pretty telling. You know, I, I think that, that some of the things that we've done, you know, deduplication and compression, uh, you know, things like adding uh, direct connect with two node uh, to lower, you know, um, you know, like remote office type deployments, uh, adding iSCSI support for some of those low-hanging fruit native block device type deployments, um, erasure coding. I mean, the, the great thing about about this group is 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 anytime you know a, a pretty significant feature ask comes about, you know it's it's pretty much you know everybody's head down trying to figure out how can we solve this problem, right? Or or meet this request, however you want to look at it, and you know, the engineering team and the PM team have just done an, an outstanding job. Uh, and, and, you know, 6.6 is a testament to, you know, what we can get accomplished in a single release. So many great things. And, and uh, uh, you know, just the sheer number of customers that we've got, I think, is, uh, is, is you know, proof is in the pudding, if you will, of, of, of the adoption, you know. In, in conversations past, I, I think that people say, ah, you know, I don't know about vSAN. Is it really ready? You know, that type of thing. And, and one of the reasons why that that 
question, you know, I, I wouldn't say it has persisted, but at least initially we were kind of conservative and, and we didn't really, with 5.5 and, and early in 6.0, we really didn't position it as tier one. But it's been tier one for, I think, 80, like 83% of our customers have at least some form or fashion of tier one, tier one uh, applications running on top of vSAN. And in most of those cases, you know, it's all flash. But, you know, as we've as we've grown with releases, we've also tried to be you know smarter about things. And what I mean by that is is going from six two to six five, we realize that it may be cheaper for you to buy all flash hardware, but why should you have to pay for an advanced license for for that hardware if you're not going to use those services, right? So so with six five, and if you have a six five license and downgrade to six two, you can use all flash just with standard and not use deduplication and compression or erasure coding. Right. right. We also yeah. also also adjusted with uh, with the release of 6.6, the the uh, the QoS feature, which is really IOPS limits, um, which kind of works a bit like storage I/O control, if you will. Uh, as of 6.6, that's now available across all platform or all licenses rather. So we're we're doing a little course correction here and there, and trying to make sure that we really feel the beat of the customer and and you know meet their needs and and why should you know especially with the with being able to run all flash you know hardware, but with standard licensing, you know why should we make a, a customer pay more just because of the type of hardware that they picked right? It's more about data services as as to whether they need advanced or not, and then in our robo platforms or robo licenses rather. Um, you know, they can still use uh, erasure coding and deduplication if they have vSAN Robo Advanced, right? So, Jason, um, great, great podcast. Uh, you're, you're, you, know, you guys are on fire, and uh, I appreciate you uh, coming here, you know, and, and giving us a breakdown. I sounds like you're going to be on a few more podcasts moving forward, which is good. Uh, Jeff Hunter, uh, both of you guys, Thanks for working really hard on this. Um, where can people go learn more? Are there training classes available? There's so many features out here. How how do you how do you learn about this stuff? Well, so the first place I would say to start is is storagehub.vmware.com. Okay. And then uh, um, and I think I think there may be some music playing, but storagehub.vmware.com, virtualblocks.com. Uh, I think we've got some like a V lab and we've got some, some more training underway. So stay tuned. Say all those again. If somebody's writing those down, they're listening to the podcast. Oh, sure, sure. Go through I'll, again. Say, I'll say them a little bit more slowly. So storage hub.vmware.com. Yeah. That's a site that TM maintains. Um, and we try to put as much content out there specifically. We've got click through demos that Jeff has done an awesome job at. And uh, you can get kind of a, a semi-field semi type uh, type experience there. Um, also recommend virtualblocks.com, which will redirect to our, our uh, VMware site, our blog site. Yep, yep. Uh, I also, also recommend um, checking out the VLab. Now, we don't have one for 6.6 yet, but we do have one for 6.5. And feel free to go there and, and play with it for a little bit more specific with is, everything. Is that a standard, is that a standard HOL lab that's you know on, yeah. on the standard yeah. HOL lab environment? Okay, absolutely, great, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then and then uh, we've got you know more. Uh, as I understand it, we've got more uh, more training through uh, I guess VMware University and those types of things uh, on their way and coming. So uh, so look for more there. And, and I've heard some rumors about you know some other stuff coming up for VMworld, which maybe we can talk about at another time. So. Right. Uh, specific to training and right. certification. So, and then, and then, if they want to follow you, your uh, Jace 
McCarty uh, at J A S E M C C A R T Y, right? And yeah. I don't know if Jeff, Jeff, do you, I don't have your, I don't have a Twitter. Do you have a Twitter? We want to do a shout out to you. Yeah, mine's easy. It's uh, J Hunter VMware. J Hunter VMware. Yep. J H U N T R VMware. Real easy. As long as we keep you on on staff, you're in, you're in great shape. All right there, you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, anything else before we, we we end? Tommy, next week. Speaking of education, um, we do have somebody from education education coming next week to talk about all this and what new training, what's their strategy, where we're going, who we got, who we have on next week. Yeah, we have Carl Childs, who's the certification program manager. So. You're looking into what uh, VMware certifications to take in 2017. Um, also, if you have some questions about maybe some of the recent um, pricing adjustments, uh, we'll cover all that next week with Carl. So tune in. Great, great. All right. Well, Edward, thanks as always. Shang, uh, I don't know if you were you were there or not. I see you in the chat. So nice seeing you on the in the chat, Shang. Maybe uh, we'll get your audio set up so we can get you in here asking questions. Always looking for people to come on the show as part of the community. It's a roundtable. So anybody that wants to come on the show next week and uh, you know ask some educa- education questions, feel free to join us, and I'll stop knocking on the table now. Uh, otherwise, uh, thanks a lot for everybody being on the show. Thanks for all the guests in the chat. That was interesting. And we'll see you again next Monday. And you, you can get us on iTunes if you're not doing that as well. Going to hit the big red stop button now.